You're listening to Motherhood in Black and White. Hey, podcast family. Welcome to Motherhood in Black and White. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. In a recent national survey, technology overuse ranked as the number one fear of parents of adolescents. And Tara, as a parent of an adolescent, Mm -hmm. I can share with you, that is my number one fear right now. I feel the same. I'm concerned about the amount of time and and what they're doing on those things. It's a lot. It is absolutely a lot. So this week, we are going to talk about the great tech debate, given that Tara's son, who's in fifth grade, Mm -hmm. does not quite yet have his own telephone And Tara and her husband are considering what to do. So the debate around whether or not her son should get a phone. (laughs) I know what side of this conversation I'm going to land on, but let's do some chatting and catching up and then we'll see kind of where we land here. Perfect. I love that I'm in control of this human's life. I love this. I'm going to hand over all my parenting decisions to you. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) We decided last week, neither of us should be doing parenting podcasts, but here we are. (laughs) You know, that's kind of the mantra for all of 2021. Mm -hmm. But here we are. But here we are. Never expected (laughs) to be here. Yep. But this is where we are. And now that we're here, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? It's great seeing you today after this long Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. I know that you and your son and that school district had an extended Labor Day and today was the first day back, right? That's right. We had Labor Day off and then his school took Tuesday off as well as a teacher in service. So he and I had all extra day. So you had a long weekend, which actually was a very long weekend because you're just coming off of a quarantine. Isn't that right? That's correct. Two weeks into the school year, two weeks ago, Gage tested positive for COVID, put the whole family back at the house. Oh, no. Yeah. So we were all at home together for 10 days, which ended on the Saturday before the holidays. So then we ended up with an extra. I mean, we've basically been together for about 15 days. You've been together for 15 months. (laughs) It's true. It's true. But this definitely, I mean, we've been out and about. So this definitely felt like a return to you know, those early couple of weeks in last year when we were trying to flatten the curve and stay home. I mean, this felt like a 2020 redo. We we didn't realize how much we had started to enjoy being out and about a little bit more until we were stuck back in the house again. And so um, what were some of the things that you were doing when you were quarantined and in the house? Uh, well, Jason and I were working still. So that went on for the entire time. Gage, he tested positive on a Thursday. So Thursday, Friday, he was not feeling great. So I let him take it off. And then the week in between where he was still going to be home, they have virtual options. So he was actually doing a couple of hours of school every day, but not much. I mean, it was pretty short. So he was back to doing what he does, which is watching the iPad, watching the TV, playing his Switch, sometimes doing all three at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's screen time. It is. And and what happened during the pandemic is a lot of us as parents relied on the screens mm-hmm. for our kids to kind of get them through mm-hmm. since we were inside. And one of the studies that the Kaiser Family Foundation did showed that During the pandemic, kids age 8 to 18 were now spending an average of at least 7.5 hours a day on screens. Yeah. In front of screens um, for entertainment. 
And on top of that, we had to then add the number of hours they were spending on screens for schooling. For education. For education purposes. Mm -hmm. So you're looking like one third of their lives, these kids the last year Mm -hmm. have been spending on devices in front of screens. For my kid, it was way more than one third. I I was going to say, we bring that average up in our house for (laughs) sure. (laughs) I bet the real average, if you take my house and your house out, was probably like five hours. I mean, and both of us have um, only children. Right. So when we had our kids, by virtue of the fact that we were living in a pandemic, spend so much time in front of the screens and our time was spent in front of screens, Mm -hmm. it got hard to monitor it, right? It did. I I didn't have time to go check on him very often because I was working and I just had to kind of let him do what he was going to do. I mean, I try to set up times to go check on him, but I mean, it really felt like we were just all sort of doing our own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even when we were doing things together, Mm -hmm. the things that we were doing together as a family involved being around and in front of TV screens. It's true. Right. Or iPads and other devices. So as a family, we were watching TV series mm-hmm. and Disney movies and Hamilton on Disney. Yes. And all of these things, I realized we're just not giving ourselves a break. And what is this doing to him and his development? And how is that going to impact him? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I realized and I have seen in the last couple of years is um, a dependency on these devices. So when you asked me a little bit earlier, when you were sharing with me that Gage doesn't have a phone. That's right. I was thinking to myself, and I hope that you can delay as long as possible <laughs> Yeah, getting him this phone. Yeah. I mean, just to clarify, he doesn't have a phone. He does have an iPad. So I feel like I always want to tell people, like, it's not that he's without devices. He has devices. However, he doesn't have one that he can carry around in his pocket. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So there is a separation. He can use the iPad when he's home. He's a switch when he's home, but he's not walking around with a phone in his pocket yet. Roman was at the end of his fourth grade year when Mm. we got him a phone. And a part of it was I was working outside of the home at the time and Mm. wanting him to have something. But also, and I got to be honest with you, a part of it was a little bit of the the peer pressure, right? Yes. It was the constant, mom, everyone else has one. Mm It was looking and and seeing that it was, quote unquote, the norm for a 10 or 11 year old kids at the time. But I'll share with you that about a year ago, Joey and I were talking and he and I said, you know, that kind of ruined my kid. It ruined him. Yeah. You know, having that kind of access. And we've seen a lot of his personality change and we've seen his reliance on technology or on video games or on that phone or having access to that to a point where it looks and feels sometimes like he's addicted to the technology. Yeah. We talked about uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder (laughs) of Facebook, not letting his kids use Facebook. And when they do, he said when they use Facebook around him or use the internet around him, he covers up the microphone and the camera. Really? Mm -hmm. So if you think that the founder of Facebook is putting in place all of these controls Mm -hmm. on the devices and, and on the app that he created. Yeah. Shouldn't we all be doing that? Shouldn't we think about that just a little bit more closely? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Now, I I agree with you. We've talked a little bit about it, and we have the same situation because all of his friends have phones, like okay. smartphones. We see them. I mean, I know he's not making it up. And so we do hear that. And what we've started talking about is we are thinking about getting him a phone, but not a smartphone. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about getting him like a little flip phone where he can just make calls 
because we're starting to have the conversation about him being home by himself for longer periods of time, or there have been days where he couldn't remember if I was picking him up early or late and he's had to go to the office and call me and it would be easier for him just to be able to call me on a phone or if he was at a friend's house. So we're having that conversation, but we are talking about getting him like an old school flip phone or something where he can just make calls and not be a smartphone. Did you have the conversation with your partner about setting an age that Gage had to be before you got him a phone? Have you had that conversation at all? No, we haven't. We've had that conversation along the lines of video games, like what age before he can play this kind of rated game, what age before he can have his own, like when we get him the switch, is he old enough for the switch kind of thing? But we haven't had, we haven't set a limit on the phone. And we, and I think just because we don't know, we're like, I don't know. This is a completely new scenario. You know, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was like 18 and I got it myself. You know what I mean? So this is just new for both of us. Mm -hmm. We're like, I don't know what the age is when they get a phone. I don't know. And when we were getting our first cell phones, they were to make phone calls. That's correct. You know? Yeah. Mine had like that snake game on it, but that was about it. It was really just for making phone Mm -hmm. calls. You can can take pictures with it. I mean, and let's take it back. I had a beeper when I was like 16. (laughs) None of you guys know what that is. Go Google that. (laughs) A lot of the other millennial parents and Gen X parents will know about the beeper. Oh, yeah. Yes. Having a phone that pretty much does everything except for call people. That's right. Makes it so it's a little bit challenging to kind of navigate it with the kids Mm -hmm. and also to set those time boundaries and time restrictions, which Mm -hmm. is so important. So one of the pieces of advice that I would offer to you if you are getting Gage uh, a phone Mm -hmm. would be to make sure that you, um, A, set up the parental controls and restrictions and have time boundaries there. Make sure that you can shut that phone off at like an hour or two hours before bedtime. Yeah. What are your thoughts there? We already do that pretty mindfully with all of his current devices. Shortly before bedtime, we try to give him some time, not TV. I say that he watches TV right up until bedtime, but we haven't plugged all this stuff in that doesn't go into his room with him. You know, his devices stay outside of his room. So we try to be conscious about that. And if we end up getting him a smartphone versus a flip phone, we would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, everything charges out where we can see it and nothing goes into his room with him. So we do try to keep that sort of separate so we know he's in there actually getting some rest. Do you and your partner do the exact same thing? Do you have those device free zones in your house for you? No. <laughs> My phone's right next to me. <laughs> do you find yourself using your phone like right before bedtime or reaching for it in the middle of the night? I don't reach for it in the middle of the night, but I do look at it right up until about the time I go to bed. You know, I know it's a good idea not to do that. And I've tried to set boundaries with myself. It's really hard. It's really difficult because I read books on my phone. So I'm often like reading a book right up until I go to bed and it's on my phone or you know, I get that one last text from somebody at like 930. I don't know why people text me at 930, but they do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I check it to see what it is. But you raise a really good point, Tara. You said that it's not just using the telephone, mm-hmm. using the phone, the smartphone for a device. We're also looking at the devices using their computer and playing interactive games, right. using the computer that they have, the school-issued computer mm-hmm. where they're doing homework. And also have the plethora of sites that they can go to on the internet and use those. So it's not just about monitoring the amount of time that they're spending on that device. It's about making sure that we 
teach our kids and show them how to use the device and the time that they are in front of it in the most effective and most mindful way Mm -hmm. because they're going to be using it. And it's not always for bad, right? Yes. And I think that's one of the things that I've had to do for myself, especially last year when I started to have you know, guilt about how much he was on screens. I have to remind myself that there's good in it too. You know, look for the good in the screen time. Like recently, Gage was sitting down at the table and Jason had sat down to eat with him, I think. And Gage is like, Dad, I want to show you this really cool video. And he showed him this really neat video this guy had done about the immune system. And then he was like, Can I have a new book coming out? And Gage was like, Can I buy the book? And Jason was like, the video was awesome. He goes, we, I learned stuff I didn't know. We bought the book. We're going to read the book. So there's good things too. You know, he's playing games with his friends. It's not all just shut down, staring at a screen. So I have to remember that for him and, you know, not demonize it. Yeah. I think that's important. Policing their screen time doesn't necessarily always work. Right. And so if we are just aware and mindful of why our kids are using the screens and kind of redirect and motivate them to look at content that is going to help them and be beneficial to them, mm-hmm. teach them, show them, mentor them about how to use the devices. I think that for me, that's the best practice and that's the best way we can kind of move forward in this tech age as they're growing up in a way that we never did. No. Like we look at how they have access to so much information Mm -hmm. now and the ability to kind of do and see everything at their fingertips, which is scary. Just how easy it is for them to access content that they really can't even understand. Yes. I think that does scare me quite a bit. I mean, you think about when I was a kid, I I don't know how it was for you. I know for me, we didn't have a computer at home. And then even at school, We went to the computer lab like once a week Mm -hmm. until I was probably in high school when I started using computers a little bit more because we were writing papers more often and we did some programming classes. But for the most part, I sat in front of a computer once or twice a week at most until I got to be an adult. And then I was working. So I was in front of a computer more often. And I just think about the fact that, I mean, since he's been... I don't know, born to at least three. He's had pretty regular access to some impressive technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knew how to unlock my iPhone when he was a toddler. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like he knew how to slide the thing. It's so strange to me. And I just think about that. And it's so incredible that, you know, as a kid, he would ask me a question. If I didn't know it, he'd go, well, look it up on your phone. And, you know, it's so impressive to me that these kids, I feel like have more information at their fingertips than any other generation. But then you think about the things that they can also get to that were just never even in the stratosphere for us Mm -hmm. and just hoping that you've prepared them for understanding things or asking questions or if they run into something they're not sure about, they know to come, you know, talk to you about it, that kind of thing. It's it's scary to think about it. But what they're seeing is so beyond the realm of kind of even our sense of understanding Mm -hmm. and ability to even think like, because it wasn't available or accessible right. to us at that point. Yeah. And our generation, we're very lucky because like you said, when we were really young, these computer things didn't even exist. Right. You know, <laughs> yes. I, I remember in middle school going to the computer lab and playing the Oregon Trail. Yes. Like, that was it. <laughs> that was it. And then as a young adult having to unplug the phone line. 
you know, and plug in the computer and wait for the dial up. <laughs> and those loud noises, mm-hmm. guys, remember AOL. that. <laughs> and so we have transitioned and kind of grown along with technology. Mm-hmm. These kids have been born into it. Right. And so it's just natural for them to gravitate towards these devices and screen time. And when we see studies about what the long-term mental effects are going to be for kids, mm-hmm. we don't know. We don't know. Because this is the first generation yes. that is dealing with a lot of this. They are growing up with access to information. They're growing up with this understanding that if I want to know something, I'm not going to engage in this debate with you. I'm just going to Google it and <laughs> That's find right. out. I'm just going to look it up. I'm just going to Google it and find out That's the answer. Right. And if what it's doing to to their brain mm-hmm. in terms of the dopamines that are getting released or whatever that is. Um, what That's was, right. Is it, is it dopamine? <laughs> Serotonin, Serotonin. Dopamine, something like that. Yeah. And there was that movie that was done during the pandemic that we saw, The Social Dilemma oh, on Netflix. Yes. Did you see that? I did not watch that, but I remember you did. I yes. did watch it. Yes. And they were interviewing individuals who helped develop different apps and websites and kind of responsible for some of the social networks. And they were saying how a lot of these networks and the algorithms are created to draw you in Mm -hmm. and to get you to stay in. Yeah. And we as adults can kind of get it sometimes. Yeah. You know, there are some adults that out there just don't get in. It's like, well, why am I thinking? Of, why, why am I saying, <laughs> talking about tacos and all of a sudden my feed is full right, of stuff right, right, right. with tacos? But kids don't understand that. Right. And they need to get that yes. because what's happening is these algorithms are so much smarter than you and me, Tara, mm-hmm. and they're way smarter than our kids. And we have to get them to a point where- we can disconnect them safely. Yeah. Because what I've seen happen is when we pull devices away from Roman and, and kind of start to limit his screen time, he acts like an addict going through withdrawal. Yeah. I don't know if you've experienced that with Gage, if you have taken a device away from him and what his reaction then has been. Yes, we have had that experience. Um, and it's been a while. I mean, that's sort of the go-to punitive damage in our house, right? Like mm-hmm. if you screw up, you're going to lose your devices. And he knows that. And he's he's lost them a few times. There was a year there that it was pretty tough. Like every time we had to do it, it was, pre- it was a pretty big fight. And you know what we did that year because it had gotten so bad is that he went a long time. I think he was off his devices for, I think we may have gone two months at the end of a school year because he had gotten in so much trouble. And ever since then, I don't know if it was the break or I don't know if he just doesn't want to get in trouble again. But ever since then, if it does happen, he's pretty cool about it because he he knows that the bigger fit he throws, the longer it's going to be. So I don't know. I don't know if we've just kind of like done it via punishment. But lately, it seems like when he like he just had a problem the other day because he took his switch to bed. He's not supposed to do that. We found it. He lost his switch for like a day. He was like, okay, I did the crime and do the time and it and it worked out okay but i've seen it on him and it's pretty tough like getting him away from it sometimes can be a little bit tricky what are your thoughts on punishments for kids that don't involve taking away their devices and the reason i ask is if they're using the devices for school and for homework and mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. would there be another way that we can not tie that and tie a device to being a punishment always. Does that make sense what I was asked? Yeah, I do know what you're asking. I haven't thought about it. I mean, it. <laughs> I guess this speaks to the 
the addiction piece of it, but it has seemed that the only punishment that gets his Mm. attention is removing devices. So it has been like the easy go-to. But we have made him take a walk around the block. We've done things like that, like just go outside and do something else for 15 minutes. But we don't want to treat that as punishment. So I don't know if we've treated that as punishment. I think we do just go to the devices. It's Mm. just the easy thing because it it matters. And he doesn't want to lose his devices. So he'll typically act right. Yeah, You know what I mean? Well, you talk about going outside and the CDC recommends that all of our kids get at least 60 minutes outside each day. Mm -hmm. And again, when we were in the very beginning of the pandemic, I think a lot of us were even afraid of going outside, not knowing what was in the air. And so our kids stayed inside. We as adults stayed inside. (laughs) We sure did. Oh, no. Our our habits changed. Yeah. And so if we are able to get to a point where we start to invest in that time and getting our kids to spend that time outside and off their phones, Mm -hmm. I think that we can start to create new habits and patterns. One of the ways that's challenging for me as an adult is if I'm outside and if I'm walking or jogging around the block. I have my phone with me. Yeah, I'm listening to music on my phone. Mm -hmm. Would you be able to go out and go for a long walk without your phone? I mean, I've done it before. It's not my favorite. I like to have music. I'm not reading it. I'm not on it. I just have it in my pocket for the music. It would be tough to go like completely without it. I also have a kid, so I usually have my phone on me just because he needs me. You know, he can get me from his iPhone, his iPad, I mean. So I always feel nervous about not having my phone on me. But what did parents do for 20 years ago? I mean, we just, I don't who knows? I guess they just lived with the anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) I know it seems strange. I mean, honestly, I think it's mostly about the music. I I could probably leave for a little while and not worry too much about him. But I just, I really like having music when I'm walking or running. But I just wonder, like, what would our life be like, all of us, if we went a week without devices? A week? A week. I don't know. You know what? I think for you, Tara, uh-huh. a week without television. That'd be a lot. It would be. You do watch a lot of television. I do watch a lot of television. And I I think I mentioned this last week, too. I have been thinking a lot about if that serves me, because I do find myself just sort of like mindlessly falling into a, a very vegetative state. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't always feel great about myself if I go on too long of a binge. And so example, we've been in the house for however many days, long time. And I had actually ordered these paint by number projects where mm-hmm. you two is red and three is black. And so the, over the weekend, I started working on that. And I, you know, didn't watch TV. I like sat at the kitchen table and did it. And it felt a lot better than just like numbing out in front of the television. The point that you just raised kind of takes me to um, the TED Talk that you shared Mm -hmm. um, on social media. Mm -hmm. And I watched it. It was the TED Talk by Adam Grant. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how to find your flow. That's right. And during the pandemic, so many of us were languishing, right? Watching mindless TV, binge watching um, Tiger King and all sorts of TV shows. Mm -hmm. I don't even... There were so many TV shows. I couldn't even name all the TV shows I watched during the pandemic. But we were all in the zone where we were kind of just doing whatever we needed to to get through the pandemic. Yes. But Adam Grant in this TED Talk really raised an interesting point to your point about finding your flow Mm -hmm. with painting and why that works for you now Mm -hmm. and how you are doing this paint by numbers kit and why that works for me. I find my flow when I do puzzles. Yes. I love doing thousand piece puzzles. 
and Ted, and I was going to call him Ted Grant. <laughs> I don't know who Ted Grant is. No, Adam Grant. <laughs> and Adam Grant talked about finding your flow and why it wasn't so so important. He said there was a, three elements to finding your flow, mm-hmm. and it was mastery, mindfulness, and it has to matter to you. Right. And I think because when you're binge watching TV, it doesn't really feel good at the end of the day, like painting, by, doing a painting kit or for me, doing, the, puzzle. doing puzzles, right. because those three elements aren't there. That's right. Like mastery is having the skills to do something. Right. He calls it like small wins, like your these little accomplishments. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And the mindfulness is being attentive and really starting to like activate that part of your brain. Right. In the moment. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then because it matters to you, you feel as though it's you're making a difference. That's right. Right? That's right. You know, what I love about that TED Talk is... You know, he describes the feeling of languishing, which is not laziness. It's not being unproductive. It's just a feeling that we all get into sort of in response to this hyper anxiety we were living in, right? Mm -hmm. But what I loved about his take on it is that for me, because of who I am, Enneagram 3, I always think that the antidote to languish is super overproductive activity. Mm-hmm. If I'm not like going, 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 then I'm, you know, doing something wrong. The languish, I do translate it to like, oh, that's because you're not doing enough, right? And I loved that he was like, no, the antidote is to, you know, still find something that's relaxing and helps you in your mood, but look for something that engages you more. Right. Right. I, that was really important to me because I automatically jumped to, oh, I need to be doing more things. That's how I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the truth. And I think that we can take that and take that tip from Adam Grant and use that as kind of a solution of how we can help to trim our kids' screen time. Yeah. Is to really help them find their flow. I agree. Because there's points in time and maybe the last 18 months has been this time where our kids have been languishing in front of screen time, finding and building those virtual connections, or just like us doing whatever they needed to, to survive and get through. Yeah. But if we're able to kind of help them find their flow, help them find those activities and the actions that they can use as that safe space, that space where they can feel productive, Mm -hmm. then I think that that's one way of starting to transition them away from screen time. Or let's be honest, there can be things that they find to do using the screen time, but in a productive way. Yes. Yeah. So if we talk about like something that maybe Gage could do to find his flow Mm -hmm. that he could master, Mm -hmm. be mindful of, Mm -hmm. and that matters to him on some level, what is something that you think that might involve him doing? You know, we put him in an art class this semester. So on Monday nights after school, he's going and doing this really cool art class in an art studio. He did an art class over the summer. He did a camp and he loved it so much. And so we were like, yeah, we're going to find something. So he's doing that once a week and it's for about an hour and a half. So it's most of the evening on Monday nights. And I mean, he's really enjoying it. He's coming home with new pieces and he's doing something new every time. So we did that. Um, we signed him up for after school chess. So we're finding things that he likes. These are things we know he likes. We're not just putting him in stuff that he, we're like, you're going to try this. We're not doing that. But we found some things like that that I know he likes. And what ends up happening is he comes home and he wants to finish that thing he started at art class, mm-hmm. or he wants to play chess with his dad as opposed to getting on the screens or 
or he, you know, saw a video at school and now he wants to read a book about the thing. So we are finding little things like that. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? What are you guys doing? Well, there are a couple things that Roman is doing. The first is um, he is really into acting. Mm-hmm. So we have him in an acting class so he can start spending the time doing that. Parenting fail. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm sharing this with the with our podcast family, but podcast family, I did something this week Uh-oh. that I have never done before, ever. <laughs> this is new for me too, guys. I can't wait. In 12 years, mm-hmm. I have never had a parenting fail like this. Okay. I got the dates wrong. Oh, I hate when I do that. <laughs> and, you know, my husband... Bless him. He trusts me implicitly. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, acting class is Tuesday night. You pick him up at school, get a snack and go straight to acting class. It starts at 4.30 p.m. Here's the location. Mm-hmm. And he left the house, was going. The kid was ready to go. He had been looking forward to it. I said, dude, you know what? Acting class, Tuesday, 4.30 p.m. Yeah. I signed him up a couple of months ago. So I'm at work, of course, in the house, haven't left the house. Uh-huh. And I get a text message from my husband. He's like, well, what time is the class? And I was like, 4.30 p.m. <laughs> Why are you double checking? I and I start to you. visibly annoyed. I'm visibly annoyed. And then he says, it doesn't start this week. You have the wrong day. Oh, no. <laughs> Were you just a week early? Yeah. That's okay. It's not okay. It's okay. But I was like, I was so wrong. <laughs> And confident in how wrong I was. Very sure of yourself. You need to check again. (laughs) You need to tell them I said (laughs) it starts today. (laughs) So he is enrolled in this acting class, has not yet started it. Oh, that's okay. He will. It's coming. It's coming. It's fine. (laughs) The anticipation has been building. There you go. Yeah. He's really ready now. Mm -hmm. But I I did mention earlier that sometimes finding the flow involves screen time because Mm -hmm. the other thing he likes to do is digital animation. Mm -hmm. And he's using his device to do that. But it's in a way where he is creating animated characters and starting to build storyboards and tell a story. And so when we talked earlier about making sure that we're not just being mindful of how much time they're spending on screens, but what is they're doing when they're using the screens in that time. So I don't mind if he's using his time to do the digital animation projects. I do mind if he's spending all this time on TikTok. Agreed. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so that comes to the: Are you wasting your time, or are you using it in a productive way, just so you st- feel like you are accomplished? So, so you feel as though what you're doing matters. Yeah, and you're not just wasting your time because the only thing that you never get back is time. That's true. You know, that's true. Somebody else just said, I don't, "Who did it? Where did I just hear that?" It's the not. It's a non-renewable resource. Somebody's copying me. I think they are. Mm. They might have taken that from you. <laughs> I should trademark that. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my biggest fears. If we are talking about our kids spending one third of their lives mm-hmm. on devices and in, in front of screens, what does that mean? Is that we have to spend the other two thirds mm-hmm. doing things that are productive, but we can't do that because then they have to sleep. <laughs> so you get one third. It's one third, one third, one third, right? <laughs> I mean, I think it comes down to recognizing that you still want to make sure you're parenting them mindfully as far as emotional regulation and multiple perspectives and and still talking to them and and giving them that space so that they know that there's more to it than just what's on the screen. Yeah. Put it in context. Right. And make sure that they understand that that virtual world that's being created is not nearly as good as the real world out there. 
Agreed. That I miss so much. (laughs) (laughs) We were back out just a little bit after the quarantine, and I was like, man, I miss this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you're back out. Back out there. So you are uh, now out of quarantine, Mm -hmm. back in the real world. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you have planned this week coming up? We don't have a whole lot on the schedule, actually. I'm just getting into the last semester of school. So got a lot of that going on. Yeah. So podcast family, Tara is in her final semester and she's getting her MBA. Mm -hmm. And how many classes are you taking this semester? Two classes. Mm -hmm. And one is really interesting because it's project based. So that'll be fun. And if all goes according to plan, I'll be walking across the stage in December. I cannot wait for your graduation party. (laughs) Everybody keeps talking to me about this graduation party. Like, who's throwing this party? Y'all need to tell me. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Well, you're not leaving the house. So clearly you're not. Are we going to have a Zoom party for Kanji? (laughs) No. For you, I will wear a mask and I will go wherever ever on this planet I need to to celebrate you you, because this is such a huge accomplishment yeah yeah I'm gonna party and I'm gonna turn up (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so I got a lot of school stuff you got anything on the docket this week um we don't so with the delta variant rising some of my work travel has been paused Mm. but have been um converting to a lot of online things and activities for work and so it's just been quite a busy season however I will share that in the next few weeks Hopefully, travel will be resuming, mm-hmm. and I'll be heading back out to California for work. Nice. I'm looking forward That's to it. cool. It'll be fun to get back out there. Uh-huh. Well, you've been out there, so you know. I do know. And your last trip was kind of short, so it'll be nice to go and be able to get everything done you wanted to get done the first time. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Definitely. And so let's talk a little bit about next week's episode. Yes. I'm excited because we have another fantastic guest mom who's joining us. Last week, we had the phenomenal Nadine Fonseca join us from Mighty Right. And um, she did a fantastic job of talking to us about how we could and we can teach our kids about anti-bias learning using compassion and kindness and empathy. That's right. So next week, we're going to have Jessica Jackley with us. And she created a company called Altruists, which is kind of in the same vein. It's a subscription box that offers kids ways to be of service. So it's just building that empathy muscle and getting kids out there and being of service in their communities. I'm really excited to talk about this. You had me at subscription. (laughs) What is it about these subscription boxes? I am in. Sign me up. How many subscriptions do you have that you forget that you have? Oh, I don't forget about them. I love my subscription. (laughs) Now I have a lot. I probably have five. I get those auto renewal (laughs) emails and I'm like, no, I forgot to cancel. (laughs) Yeah. No, all of mine are very on purpose. I'm like, this is mine. I'm getting it. So next week we got to talk about these five subscription boxes that you have. Absolutely. We will talk about that and I'll probably be adding another one. (laughs) And podcast family, if you have any subscription boxes or any suggestions for them, you know that Tara, she's on the lookout always for a good deal and a good subscription. So drop her a note, drop us a note and let us know what you're into. And uh, just drop us a note to say hi. It's always nice connecting with each and every one of you. We're glad that you join us each and every week. Thank you so much. Make sure you don't miss next week's episode. You want to follow us on all your listing platforms. We've got more guests coming up this season. We're having a great start so far. We love having you with us each week. So as we get ready to wrap up this week, we know that Tara's going to head on home and talk to her partner and make a decision as to whether or not Gage will get this phone. Stay tuned next week for that update because when we come back next week, we will find out the end of the great tech debate. Did Gage get a new smartphone? Did Gage get a flip phone? 
or to gauge remain phoneless. <laughs> it sounds like such a suspenseful You really dropped a tease there. I know. I'm excited. I'm so invested in this. <laughs> I gotta go make this decision now. <laughs> Will you go make that decision, podcast family? You go and live your best life, uh, whatever that is, but whatever you're doing, however you're doing it, guard your health, mental, physical, and spiritual. Tara and I will be back next week, same time, same place. Take good care.